Hey friend, you can support this podcast by subscribing on your preferred platform. You can rate and review and leave a five-star rating on Apple iTunes. You can also share episodes on your Instagram or Facebook handles and tag Infertility and Me Podcast. And you can also follow Infertility and Me Podcast on Instagram at Infertility and Me Podcast. Thank you, friend. Peace and blessings. Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility of Me podcast. I got my girl, Rocio. I on the love show. the way you say my name. Yes, <laughs> Rocio, R-O-C-I-O. Yes, she is a delight and a gem and, and just a ray of shining light. I love her. And oh, she is going to tell us about her fertility journey yes. and for her and her husband and what that was like. You guys know how we do here in Fertility Me. It's all about the positivity of sharing journeys to inspire and to help you heal and feel better about your situation because you're not the only one and you're not alone and we're in this thing together. How did you meet hubby? Was it like love at first sight? Girl, <laughs> let me tell you a little tea about me and Steven. I met Steven at the club. What? Just like Usher saw, but love in the club. <laughs> we were just hyped to be there. We actually, so the real story is that he saw me mm-hmm. and we met at Halloween in October and we went to this club called Mama Juana's here uh-huh. in, um, it was in Queens, the one that we went to. Okay. And it was Halloween night. I happened to get free tickets. I was just like, I was playing it smart mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. up in here, October gets really cold in right. New York. And I ended up going as the Cowardly Lion. So now what? I have a sweater that zipped up so I can park far and still keep myself protected and it's long sleeve. So it was like a sweater. Then when I got to the club, I was just like, (laughs) and just zipped it all the way down, like put it out. And he, you know, bumped into me. I was dancing with my best friend, Annie, which is so cute because my best friend, Annie is what, it's like a sister to me. Uh We were dancing and she was a genie. So I was just like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." (laughs) all of a sudden he literally double judged his way between us. He was just like, wham. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this little morenito. Oh, he got rhythm. Eh, eh, eh. And then because I'm plus size, when I met him, I was like, bit and bit. Right, right. And giving him everything, honey. No, I gave him everything and then stopped because I was just like, I don't want you to think I'm sweating you because I'm plus size. I'm over you. Okay, bye. Right. So I was like, bit and bit. Thanks. And left. But he circled the club and he was just like, I really have fun with me. Mm-hmm. And he came back to me. And then we've been smitten ever since. Oh my God. What year was that? 1980, no, you stupid girl. 2012, October 2012. We actually met October 29th, but we solidified it October 30th because he asked me to dance before midnight and then he saw me after this. That is so freaking cute. I love that. Ah, so did you know when you got married that you possibly would have fertility issues? I kind of had an idea because the thing is that my mom's side of the family, there's infertility and on my dad's side of the family, there's infertility. So I was just kind of like, you know, my mother is a typical Latina mom when she was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen to you. Mom, but there, it's not going to happen to you. But I think, and I think it's not going to happen to you. So I was just like, it's not going to happen to me. And then um, her, my husband and I, we were trying and nothing was happening. So I was just like, before we get too deep and we were planning our wedding at the time, I was just like, you know what? Let's get ourselves checked because at an emotional state for them to have you do the, that pingogram. I always call it pingogram because at the end, that's the, the thing that stuck in my head, the pingogram or, or checking his sperm or doing all this stuff. I just really wanted to like, let's check ourselves out before we take it really, really far because emotionally I won't be as connected. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And right. I think you br- bring up a really good point is that maybe we should start advising people to do that kind of a thing. Especially we're waiting friends. longer. I tell like, my friends all the time, yeah. girl, you're 30 plus. You ain't pregnant. Get yourself checked. It's kind of like, it's yeah. kind of like, 
you know what it is is that me talk. I care yeah. about my mind because nobody else cares about my mind but me. I care about my mind just like you care about your mind, but you need to know how to care about your mind because I know how to care about mine. So what I did was that um, what I normally do, and this sounds dumb, but it, again, my mind. I love going shopping with no money. Oh, I do oh. all the time. Just, and now window shop, go in there and get the service as if you're going to purchase. <laughs> all of that. And then you're like, oh, I'll come back. You know why? Because now the next time that you have money, you go to the store, it's quick in and out. You don't have to spend even more than what you already calculated. And it's a better experience because now I'm not pressured because I have the money in my pants trying to get into the cash drawer. So I kind of took it. that mental, like, you know, oh, geez, and put it towards, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I put it towards, you know, infertility where I was just like, hey, this ain't working right now. And we're not trying that hard, but we're kind of trying. Right, so right. We're not not you know, trying. Yeah. yeah, we're not not trying. But if it happens, yay. And if it doesn't, mm. Yeah. So I was just yeah. like, you know what? Let's get ourselves checked. So I told my doctor I wanted to get myself checked. I got myself checked. I got my hu- uh, my husband checked. And they were just like, which was the bane of my infertility existence when they tell you there's nothing wrong. And I'm looking at like anytime doctors would tell me that throughout my entire infertility journey, I was just like, can you look again? Maybe, maybe you're not seeing, maybe it's right. a fibroid thing. Maybe I have endometriosis. No, you don't have that. I think I do towards the left. And they were like, the left of what? I don't, I don't know. You're, you're the one down there. Like, look around, find something. Mary Pierre earrings might have fallen in there. Like something, you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah. I always got that universal answer of we don't know. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. So just, you know. So when we were chatting on your podcast, you never, you still never had, even you never had an explanation for your infertility it's always been unexplained they i mean my did my doctor did tell me that i had um a little bit like i i came on to the scene with pcos mm-hmm. but she says you don't have severe pcos like you're literally like on the cusp of like if you take care of yourself you don't have it type of thing right that's one what foot in one foot out me. yeah right so mm-hmm. she's like you don't have it to the point that it's gonna derail any of your um journey like okay. it's not going to, it's not the reason for your infertility, okay. you know, okay. but she was just like, Hey, um, you really don't have anything wrong with you. And yeah. I was just like, okay. So she tried to give me medication and, um, and all this stuff and nothing was working. And she was just like, I really think that you're going to be a great candidate for IVF. And after I got my journey done, mm-hmm. after I started my podcast, I found out that I had a mini IVF mm-hmm. where they kind of just work with your body and they kind Mm -hmm. of just like flow with it. She said that that was the best thing. And according to her, my issue is that I I describe it like the Jack and Rose. Okay. Like from Titanic where the eggs were, were, were were attached, but they just couldn't let, you know, they couldn't hang on. So it was just like, I'll never let go. And then you let go. Like that's what happening to me. Okay. So the doctor for like a month before um, literally at the beginning, at the end of my cycle, she started having me taking the, the, um, the PO shots, the progesterone oil. So for a month and a half, I was taking these damn shots <laughs> to get the, tra- the, the, you know, I, I got the, um, the, I, I don't want to say transplant, the, the, the egg tra- retrieval and the transfer. The, egg, the transfer. So mm-hmm. finally I got the transfer done, girl. I was just like, I don't got to take the shots no more. So the doctor was just like, you must continue until you fully graduate. <laughs> and I was just like, what? What? Three whole months, both shots in the butt. But yeah, so that's what ended Tell up me. happening with, with like us and our little, you know, journey where again, every time something happened, it was always me, no, no. What was the beta day like? Let's talk about the beta day. And like, did you work? Did you go to work that day? Yes, because um, when you deal with infertility, there's a lot of days that like you got to take off. And I was yeah. just like, one, two, three, 17, 18. I don't have that many days. So literally I would wake up in the morning, early in the morning. And I'm talking about 530 in the morning. My husband and I will leave at six. 
to make it there at seven, to be one of the first people to be seen, then he would go to work and leave me to get the results. But anytime there was a procedure or anything, my husband was always with me. Steven was always there. <laughs> he never, let me make a point. He never left my side. And anytime I would be like, I babe, don't worry about it. Just go at me. Mm-mm, he wasn't like, having it. This is our baby. Yeah, girl. That sound like my husband. <laughs> really? Oh my God, girl. When he said that to me, I was just like, okay, you can come along. So yeah. the thing is that like he would go in the morning and we would leave. And that day it was just so like nerve-wracking, which is why I even started the podcast because it was my husband's idea. He was just like, Rocio, I really think that you should definitely do a podcast because mm-hmm. I told you that like my favorite go-to podcast was Amanda Seals. Okay. So I just listened to small doses. I would listen to her <laughs> because people don't understand. Like there's a lot of podcasts that talk about infertility, right? So my podcast, if anybody wants to come on, you're more than welcome to Tootsie Rollades, your life. Rollades. Yes. So basically the way that I structure my podcast is I give you information about um, IVF. I also give you information, AKA my rants, <laughs> being a first time mom, cause I'm a first time mom. And also, and also I just talk about random things because sometimes you need a distraction when you're going to these tests. I would go into those tests just to get like my numbers and my, I would start freaking out on the train. People are looking at me, people are trying to do showtime. I'm like, yo, I'm not even trying to look at people, people's breath humming in the morning, their pits humming in the morning. And it's like, I'm there in the train. I don't want anybody touching me. And it's like, people have like no sense of like, like my space. Everybody wants to be all up in there, not smelling great. And then on top of that going, you just get so nervous and you get so worked up and it's like so unfair that you have to go through that nervousness alone. Because sometimes when you talk to your friends, it's not like they're going to try to talk to you about other things because they get yeah yeah hey talk to me about this and i'm kind of like i really don't want to talk i just tell me me some gossip tell me about your crusty neighbor downstairs like talk to me back me but you know what though like many other people have stated before like they don't have a circle where at least one other woman has had infertility most of the time and so i feel like family and friends don't even know what the hell to say to you you know that's what we were talking about on when when I had you on my show, right. where we were even talking about religion and church yeah. and stuff like that. Like as a woman, especially a Christian woman, sometimes it's difficult for you to come to people to church or anybody around to just give you that hand that you needed. I just want to thank my Ocean's Eleven. I really had eleven women. One of them went through infertility. Her name is Jennifer. And the great thing about this entire situation is that I wasn't alone. And spiritually, I felt like. I couldn't go to any higher up, like any deacons, any leaders of women or anything like that, because I personally didn't really feel like there was any like support in that area. But I will tell you that because my mother and my um, best friends, they are churchgoers. I always got prayed for. I knew I can go to them at least. I feel like I could go to them and ask them for prayer. So spiritually what I needed I always received, you know what I mean? But there are women out there that don't have that. I was lucky enough to have three. I had my mom. Then I had all the people that she put in her great, in her prayer group. Then I had my two friends, Elenita and also Jessica, who would always pray for me. Elenita's family, who comes from a family of people in church and her sisters, a pastor. So the Laras, Laras, Pastor Lara. I love them. So the thing is that they were constantly praying for me. I had my group of people, but when I do interviews for people, that are, you know, Christian based or people that just talk to me, they often tell me that they don't feel like they have that support, not only with their friends or family. Sometimes church doesn't play a role in that. So it's like, you know, so I like to talk about different things, different topics on my podcast. So I can not only bring up conversations inside of infertility, but also to distract you. Sometimes I talk about getting lyrics in a song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like during the pandemic, one of my friends said, oh my God, you're like an at-home coworker. You know that one coworker that just yeah. has that story and then everybody's like, <laughs> always got a story. Yeah, yeah that's me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of structured my podcast that way. Yeah, so it's almost like a com- comedic kind of sketch going on too. I feel like um, 
with your podcast because you do talk about a lot of funny stuff and you're just naturally funny anyway and bringing that lightheartedness and stuff too. And so I was going to say as well about religious organizations and how you, you, you were one of the few who had a lot of support, who wasn't shunned and I interviewed just, somebody who was. <laughs> they really just met you where you were because I feel like a lot of re- religious organizations, they don't really, they like, they shun away from the hard stuff. Like, I, hate I feel that it's not shunning away. I feel more that it's not prepared. When you're not ready to fight a war, you cannot fight that yeah. battle. So yeah. I do feel that in the community, especially like in any religious organization, I do feel that leaders should learn how to have these open conversations about infertility because the thing is that a lot of elders go to the church who don't know how to talk to you because back in the day you know they only had a black and white tv and they have 15 kids i got cable and and it takes me uh took me a long time to bring up that one yeah and now thinking about having another one is not as like let me lay on my back and get another one i have to really like mentally prepare myself to put myself in that space again because now I have a child yeah. so it's not I can't just get up at 5 30 I can't just do, I can't so just more. do that it's so, so much, much more, more that you have to calculate it and I have to be mentally prepared to do that but I do feel that any type of religious organization I do feel that they should have those conversations because infertility is known in the bible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like what, what I like to drop on my little gems because I'm, I'm coming out with this episode with my um, best friend Jessica um is that we have documented one of the first IVF stories in the Bible. Can you guys guess what it is? The story of Jesus. Jesus. That was in vitro fertilization, people. Joseph didn't even know about that. An angel had to come down and calm his nerves because his wife got pregnant without him. How are you going to explain that to Joseph? Hey, we did in vitro fertilization. And as of right now, that embryo has transferred on a day six onto Mary. How do you explain that? Yeah. But people, right, in the, in, in the church, they probably won't correlate that to that. There's lots of times that people should um, take mental note, especially in the society that we're in now, and yeah. try to relate the Bible to things that are going on now because you can relate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the thing is that even that story, like maybe to some people that hear that, they will be like, oh my God, you know what? She's, she, she's right. I'm like, yes, I am. But how would you know to correlate that if I don't teach you, if I don't say anything, if I don't bring it to your attention? And I do feel that religious organizations, as much as they concentrate on um, bringing the word of God to other people, you know, as a Johnny Appleseed, hey, I bring you the word, you receive it, you receive it. And whenever God wants to nurture that seed, that's when he's going to take care of it. But that, should, that support should also come to a woman going through infertility. And I don't mean like questioning. So like one of the conversations that me and Jessica had was sometimes when you do go through infertility and you are in a religious organization like I was, sometimes they'll be like, ooh, maybe you need to pray harder. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too, yeah. And I was gonna be like- It's really kind of dismissive in a way. Exactly, like don't tell me to pray harder because you're excuse me, you're not validating my prayer. You're not validating what I'm bringing to the table. So what are you trying to say? I am praying, right? Because I've been praying pretty good these past couple of years. Now all of a sudden, the fastings I've done aren't counting. The tears I've cried haven't counted. You're dismissing me because you don't know what's going on. Oh, don't worry about it. And or sometimes they'll say that you don't have enough faith. Right. Um, You know, like, yo, you just have faith in God. He's going to... Hold on a second. If I'm drowning, I'm going to have faith in God to rescue me. But that doesn't mean that if he sends me a tugboat, a helicopter, I'm not going gr- to grab for it because I'm waiting for God to freaking come and get me. No, I have to be also proactive. God does help those that help themselves. Mm-hmm. It and works. Yeah. You know, God, when 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 mm-hmm. Satan closes the door, God opens a window. But don't be an idiot on the corner talking about I, I, I don't see what's happening. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. For sure. You have to be proactive. And that's why I give props to anybody going through IVF, IUI, any type of infertility journey. I give them, I give women so much props because the thing is that this is something difficult. This is a journey that not a lot of people have the strength to do. And also if you're faith-based, you need that circle of prayer. And I really feel that if there are pastors and, and, and women's ministries that can really go out of their way to teach their groups 
how to properly speak to us, I think that there would be a lot of people that when they go through this, they don't enclose themselves so much. Because if I ask you to pray for my my cousin's best friend's sister who just got off drugs, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. ask you, hey, listen, I'm going through infertility. Sometimes as a woman, we don't know how to correlate the word to us if you don't know where to find it in the Bible. You need somebody to be like, come here. Let me give you words of faith. You know what? Your story reminds me of um, Abraham and Sarah. You know, hey, she when did she, when did he when did she get pregnant at ninety? And what did Abraham do when God told him you were, your wife was going to be pregnant? He laughed. One of my favorite people that you know that's a, that's a story of infertility. You know what I mean? So the thing is that now you're in a situation where. You don't know that if I don't say that. So why is it that that's not being communicated to people like me that are going through infertility within the church? Why should I feel ashamed that my body naturally isn't doing what it's supposed to do naturally? We need the support, you know? And I just thank God that I had at least my mom and my friends that were spiritually assisting me during this time because it was difficult. You know, your faith, you know, you you drink a lot of that water, that faith water. It's all the way tested, okay? Girl, it's like, listen, I'm just down to like a milliliter of water as far as my faith. You know, my, I'm just stay right here. <laughs> I'm just stay right here. There's been times that I told my husband, you know what? I don't have the faith for this. And he would have to be the person to pray over me. He would be the one, you know, praying for us. And he, he had to take on that responsibility. Also, my mother would step in. Sometimes when I was doing the, um, at one of my um, transfers, my friends um, would leave me voice messages praying for me or they will call me at five 30 in the morning to pray for me real quick. And that helped me because, well, it helped me because I am very, you know, centered in God and I am a Christian. So I needed that. But again, I'm Latina and a lot of people in my community, in the Latino community, they don't do that. It's taboo. It's like, you're Latina. The first thing that sometimes people say to me is, oh, the sexy Latina, you're spicy. And I'm looking at them like, I can't even handle heat. <laughs> I can't even handle spicy fruit. What are you talking about? But sometimes you feel you have to like live up to that measure, you know? And that's why I, you know, my husband, after talking to me, I realized, you know what? We need groups of people that look like us supporting each other, women of color, person of color and you know we all need to come together to talk about our experiences because we exist latinas that are infertile exist right i am not the only one <laughs> but if yeah. i have to one but it's just it's it's just as taboo in latina communities hispanic communities as it is in the black community there it is. You heard it here first. And let's not act like that ain't true. Shut up. You know it's true. Got it. You know that's true. Yeah. Because all you got to do is go on social media and see who dominates the spaces. And I'm not saying dominate as in a negativity within the fertility space because no, this is a, this is a very loving and compassionate space. But at the same time, when you log in and you're looking for somebody that's brown talking about their journey and you can't. So what do you do then? Maybe what you're not think- religious. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have anybody. And the thing is that talking on that point, one of the things that I cannot blame those pages for is content because they cannot do anything if they don't have the content, you know? So it's like, how do I contact someone that looks like me when on those pages, there's nobody like me, but then you realize that you have to share your story in order for them to have content, content needs to be there. And the thing is that if you really think about that, if you if you really want to dive into that, there's not a lot of support for a reason. But then that's getting too political, you know, because we're just going to keep this lighthearted because, you know, I can go deep. But at the end of the day, they can't post what they don't have material on. And if we don't speak up and advocate for ourselves and let us know, I am here, I am here, I am here, I am here, you're never going to know. And then you're just going to suffer in silence. And that's so unfair because... This journey is so difficult because it's not so much an emotional and physical journey, but a spiritual journey, but it's not a natural journey. And by that, I mean that you're putting so many medications into your system 
that you don't know how to deal with this extra hormones in your system in order for you to have a child. That's a lot. And you don't get a break. For those who have not conceived at least one time yet, you don't get a break from the hormones once you get pregnant. The hormones stay. Let me tell you something, okay? I cried over my internet going down and I didn't have Wi-Fi to watch a freaking movie on a Saturday afternoon when my husband was at the restaurant and he couldn't come home to chill with me and the Wi-Fi wasn't working. I was in freaking tears, okay? So I didn't have a whole lot of medications before I got the, B, the big fat positive because I was, I was on myocycle IVF just like Rocio. But them pregnancy hormones, it takes it, it it continues. And so I think that's why it's so important for you to have support. You need it. Let me tell you my crying moments, since we're gonna share our crying moments. I no. bawled, and I'm talking about like <laughs> like that's my that's my serious cry. That's like someone died in my family, and I don't know. That is my soul cry, right? When I ran out of fat needles and I over, I undercalculated the needles that I had to put in for the progesterone oil. So for those of you that are listening and are going through it and are not here yet, basically you have to shoot yourself with these oil in the butt or in the thigh in order for the inside of the um, uterine lining to become thick. So the thicker it is, the stickier it is, and the more chances you have that when they put the embryo inside of you, that's already at blastocyst, um, it sticks. So we're looking for like a Velcro type of stick. What happened to me is that I um, when you pull out to get the oil out, you know how you have a fat needle and then a thin needle? So you have the fat needle to take it out and then the thin needle to inject it inside of you. Girl, I had no more fat needles. So I was trying to pull the oil from the needle, the thin needle out. Oh my God, girl, when that happened. Jesus, let me tell you. I called the doctor crying. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm putting the needle in. And they were like, what's going on? There's no oil. And then it came out. When I heard that, when they heard that, they were like, first you're going to calm down. I was like, why am I crying like this? They were like, you're going through infertility. You have hormones. When she said that, it's like she gave me my mental capacity back. I was just like, oh, 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 okay. My bad. I see now what y'all mean with the hormones because it, it's a lot. The slightest things. Like, if you think you're emotional during your period, that's nothing. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't even want to talk about no more hormones, okay? <laughs> your face. It's just taking me back. Like, I know it's been four years, the summer 2016, but... and. In my, I didn't have Pio. I had freaking suppositories. Okay. Oh my. Suppositories are just as bad. You may not think worse. about it not being as bad because you don't have to inject yourself with the needle with the Pio. But let me tell you, TMI. I'm, I'm going to have to mark this episode explicit. <laughs> you talk about a desert in my lady purse. Okay. It was like the freaking Sahara Desert out of West Africa somewhere. You dried up? I thought that you would be... What? I thought that it would be more moist. Because, because you got a suppository. Because you got the suppository. It's sitting right there at the cervix, right? Yeah. And it goes in and melts and all that stuff. Then you got all this junky white stuff. Look like freaking cottage. Right. Cheese. Look like you got a yeast infection. But no, it's just suppository. So I'm constantly wearing pads or either or either liners to catch it. And then I got to make sure all that stuff is emptied out. But see, you ha- And I was on it twice a day. So trying to figure out when I could have sex already in the midst of the cycle when they're telling me not to have sex at this point in time, you know, mm. before mock transfer, before this day, you can't have sex. Right. And then trying to like navigate having some natural fun sex in between that is like a horror show, okay? Because I was so freaking dry and it was so messed up because like I had lubricant and stuff like that. But it still just didn't feel right. You putting suppositories in your vagina for two, three months at a time, it alters the environment. You know what I mean? It, feel, it felt different to hubby. I'm going to keep it freaking real because that's what we do. It felt different. You know, it's different. And uh, yeah, so it sucks. So I was telling everybody on stories the other day, like if you got, if you want suppositories, especially, or 
if your hormones are causing you to be dry, get you some freaking lube that's sperm friendly. And specifically this one that I've been using lately is by Natalist. A lot of oh, I saw that. Get you some natalist if you're dry. Even if you're not in the middle of a cycle and you just, mm-hmm. your hormones are still crazy and trying to I get- I saw that you were showing the consistency. Girl, when I tell you it's like the real thing, I, I wish natalist had been around when I was like going through it with uh, Omar, you know, the first time. And But I'm glad I've had them now, like trying to have another baby and stuff. The dryness is real, okay? The dryness is real, you guys. You do not have to suffer physically like that. Get what you have to get. Do what you have to do. Look, ladies, I don't know about y'all, but like I could call my dad and be like, dad, I need like $20 to get something real quick. He'll still give it to me. I'm damn near 40 years old. So I don't care. <laughs> call your daddy, your poppy, whoever. Get a couple of dollars and get yourself the tools that you need to make any and every part of the journey easier. The doctor tried to give me suppository and my body was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it did absolutely nothing for me. She was like, really? we're going to have to do the shots. And I was just like, nah, you giving me, you giving me another suppository. So you had to, like, did you do the intramuscular right at the top of the, um, the bum and the tailbone? Girl. So they had to take markers and they had to like, I told them because, okay. So what happened was that I'm plus size. I can't turn that way to shoot myself. Okay, and I'm not going to do it on my leg on myself. I cannot do that to myself because I hate pain. Okay. okay. All right. I hate pain. I don't like spicy food and I hate pain. So imagine me injecting my thigh. I ain't going to inject my thigh. I ain't going to do that. So I was like, okay, we're going to do it in the butt. So then my husband was just like, oh, um, so is a nurse going to come to the house? And they were like, no, you're going to do it. This is his reaction. Okay, the the VIP service. Girl, he was just like, all right, I'll do it. Yo, when he said, all right, I looked at him and I, so he's going to shoot me in the butt? And I was like, can you draw a diagram so I feel comfortable? So I had her like mark, circle dot, show me exactly how to divide the buttocks so I don't hit my sciatic nerve. How to, girl, it was just, it was a mess. And literally I had to hype myself a half an hour before. So I would watch The Office, have an ice pack on my butt, watch a fit like 15 minutes worth of the episode then call to my husband and he had to walk me step by step for three months um so i'm like i am now putting alcohol on that area and i'm a wimp so when he put the first alcohol thing i was like ah! and he was just like it's literally an alcohol bag. i was dying the drama. The drama. i was just like oh my gosh and then you know he had to walk me through the steps of of rejecting yeah. me and that was just it's horrible yeah. and your body does change and, and so many things happen. Like my libido when went from, I am here, I am here to non-existent. My husband was yeah. like, we ain't going to try. You better get that. You better get that thing out of my face. We ain't going to come anywhere near here. The parameters of this area are closed. Don't touch me. Don't think about touching me. But you want to hear something funny? When he was away from me, I wanted him. I'm so riled up, like, mm, babe, I think I'm going to give you Isn't something tonight. Yeah. I got you. And the moment I will see him, it will be like, dry up like a day ago. Don't yeah. look at me. Crazy. And it's, and, and, it's, and it's horrible because the thing is that, I, you know, this does test your relationship. And let me tell yeah. you, this, there's a lot of people that can't handle this type of situations and this type of scenarios in a couple because, you know, people get divorced over, you know, different things. And this can be one of them. This is very straining on the body. This is restraint. This is straining on the relationship. This is so, this is such a heavy topic for you to deal with because it's kind of like the man normally, well, not normally, but usually when men are growing up, they're always instilled with this sense of, I need to fix it. That's why they're horrible listeners. Because when they listen, they listen to fix. They don't listen to hear us complain, which is why we want to complain because we know what to do to fix it. I just want to make, you know, I just want to bitch about it. But when you're going through infertility, it's like they look at you and it's kind of like, how can I fix this? And I don't know if like your husband and you went through that, but we, we went through so many times that my husband would just look at me and be like, I wish I was going through this for you. I feel like I'm stronger. And I would be like, yeah, you are. You, you totally should be going through. Yeah. No, because they are worse when they like in sickly, like feeling sickly. I don't know if we you'd have been a, you'd have been ready to toss him out of the out of the house <laughs> if you had to get him. He had to take a shot. Oh my gosh! But yeah, girl, like 
For sure, because that's why that was one of the reasons why it took us so long to do IVF. We had an unsuccessful IUI in 2012. So like when you guys were getting married, I'm having IUIs and getting probed by the HSG testing. And then we had a four year break because he just wanted to fix it. We can do this. He didn't care if it was my diagnosis or his diagnosis, which, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody knows it was me. It was me and everything. Right. But like, no, we're going to do this on our own. He's an A type man. He, you know, very ambitious and. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to get it done. And that's what right. he was. And that's why it took us so long. You know how many arguments and probably unnecessarily we had because it was just building up so much anger in me. I am, babe. So angry. So angry. So so what do you do? So what did you do when you had moments of uh, where you were feeling weak, but maybe it came off differently? Did you ever have moments where... It, you were really just vulnerable, but you, but you took it out in a way that was opposite of that. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is that my most vulnerable, my most vulnerable side would come out when I would have miscarriages or not end up being pregnant. That's when I was like, if I was a beautiful, big, beautiful yellow, because it's my favorite color balloon. Every single time I got like, you're not pregnant, you were pregnant, you lost, it would just deflate me, deflate me, deflate me. And, you know, I allowed myself to be depressed, but I always told Steven, it's your job to make sure I don't stay there. Let me vacation there, but don't let me stay there. And he would tell me, what do I need to do in order for me to help you? And I told him, I am, I'm going to be ñoña. And in Spanish, ñoña just means that you want to, like, you. it's it's almost like, like, oh, I'm so ñoña. Like, you have to be coddled. Like, I need to okay. be coddled. Okay. I need okay. you to get me the chocolates. I need you to buy me the flowers just because. I need you to rub my back and tell me it's going to be okay. I want you to tell me I'm the most beautiful girl in the world and that I'm the strongest woman and da-da-da-da. I need that from you. If not from anyone else, from you. Mm-hmm. You are my home. You are my husband. You are my family. I'm the trying safe space. to, yeah. you know, exactly. You need mm-hmm. to be that for me. And that's exactly what he did. Um, when I had my second miscarriage and that was through a, a transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, How far along were you? I was a couple of weeks because I got a positive and then I had to wait another two weeks to get tested again. So maybe like five weeks or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. So the thing mm-hmm. is that um, when they didn't see the embryo anymore, I was really sad. Which, look how God works, was in November when I got mm. um, told that I was not pregnant anymore. So it was mm. around Thanksgiving. Wow. And I was devastated. Cried. I This child already had a college. Its life was already settled. Like, you the know name, it. address, sure. what are you going to do? These are the phones I'm going to get you. These are the teachers that you're going to speak to. I want you to learn how to play the flute. All of that stuff. Yeah. And, and you're going to be a daggone doctor. There's nothing else about and it. And that's it. And that's it. And that's it. And that's it, mama. That's it. And sure. what ended up happening is none of the above. So I was obviously devastated and stuff like that. And Stephen was like, all right, what do you want to do? I need to stop and take a break. So my doctor was like, all right, I want you to stop all your medications mm. and come back to me when you feel better. And I was like, okay. And that's what we did. I took November off, December, January. Come February, Stephen was just like, all right, well, do you feel like we can move forward and I was just like yes I feel like I am able to move forward but I don't know if it happens to you because I know this is like your second time but like don't you feel like nostalgic when you go back and you're just like in the elevator or you're going into the facility again and you're just kind of like (sighs) that was on my clinic's website the other week because I was going I was trying to have four locations so I'm trying to make make a decision about which location I was going to go to whether it was going to be the one that I was at before or go to the one that my doctor spend a lot of her time at. So, and I was just like, it was like, I was right back in 2016, January, February, 2016, making my consult appointment. Like even just emailing them the results from my thyroid um, test from my endocrinologist two months ago was like, yes, for sure. It's kind of like, and for those that are going through this for the first time, the feeling that we're going through, that we're trying to explain, it's kind of like, you know, when you go back to pick up a child at school and you go inside the school and you smell the school yeah. and it kind of smells like 
your past like yeah like going back into your old high school right high school or even elementary school or even if you're gonna pick up your child at pre-k and just smelling that and looking at Mm -hmm. all of that it's so nostalgic that's kind of how it feels for us but instead of breathing in happiness we're breathing in fear and anxiety (laughs) some other stuff we don't really have a name for yeah, it's just like it's you just, just feel on air. anxious. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff. Talk. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is that you know you're you're just in a situation where you just have to persevere and move forward, and that's mm-hmm. where I feel like me personally in my journey, my strength came a lot from my redeemer, from God. Like I really felt that, even though it was very difficult at times, the fact that I had people that loved me enough to pray for me and and all that stuff like that, that to me helped me. A lot of other people, like one of the people that I've interviewed, if you go to Tootsie Roll Aids episode 20. And you better do it. Wink. <laughs> um, I talked to um, a yoga instructor. Okay. Who told me that her piece was yoga. Mm-hmm. But because of she, because she had a negative um, experience in her church, but she was trying to receive prayer and, and guidance, um, she ended up, she ended up finding God back on the mat where wow. she said that after she was doing yoga, that's where she felt that's like she was able to meet God again and, and be, and, and be, and yeah, I get it. Cause that yes. was me with like, that was me with exercise and meditation when I was waiting for my husband to say, we can go back and try for IVF. That was me. I get that. That's powerful. yeah. That so the thing is that, yeah. So the thing is that everybody has that space that they go to that helps them. And you do that naturally. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the thing is that you naturally say, you know what, I'm going to do this because this makes me feel better, but it's actually the core of your strength that you need to recharge in order for you to continue to persevere and move forward. Yeah. So and you to would, me, that was prayer and, and, and your and faith. Having, yeah. My faith was definitely that, you know, and humor, but you know, Sure. Trust me, that right? comes naturally to you too yeah that comes naturally and it comes really really worse like the higher the anxiety the higher the comedic level comes and up yeah joking about things i should not be not joking, joking about. about but it's funny as hell you guys yeah, gotta get on the instagram and follow <laughs> definitely you're not on there enough for me i need more ben Paca, ben Paca. more more come, more, come, come girl more. come <laughs> it's a good time it's definitely a good time over here i'm just you know a quick shout out to you. Thank you so much for opening the space because when I started doing podcasting, which I later regretted that I gave up so fast, but when I started podcasting, one of the women of color that I started following was you. Yes, I, I you told you when I spoke to you, what did I tell you? I was like, girl, you look like one of my cousins. We probably yeah, she did. She sure did on her podcast. She was like, girl, I had to, you know, I just had to follow you because you look like one of my cousins, one of my primas. I was like, oh, yes. I was just like, oh my gosh, I love her. <laughs> and, and what you, happened to it's me so funny you said that because like when I was looking for people you know before I had my son on Instagram because I was on there for a little while for like six months until like I was going through the Nikki journey and then going through the Nikki journey and trying to keep up with Instagram I was like I can't do it so I had closed it but anyway so I had I was I was on there as a private page remember I was telling you I was on there as a private page right shut it down because people from Facebook started being suggested to my private page right one of my cousins had like had um requested me and I was like oh hell to the no because I hadn't told them about Uh no hell no to the no 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 hell no (laughs) Girl, and so I, I had shut the thing down a little while after that. But I remember going on there. I'm like, dang, I don't have no Latina friends or nothing, man. With I didn't have any Latina or Hispanic connections back then, and it's just, and it's still so hard to find. Uh, wherever you are, please, for real, come up, come on and hit that, that blue button that follow. Where are you? Sure. You're like you can have a private page. Man. It doesn't matter. We'll respect dang. your privacy. Absolutely. Just follow ours. Get connected. Yeah. <laughs> Send me a DM, boo. You know how many DMs I get from anonymous pages, man? I don't even know what these women and men look like. Even yeah. Men. Like I got a couple of men that follow on Instagram and that are in the middle of cycles with their wives and stuff like that. Right. I don't know who has a diagnosis. I don't know. Right. But they 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 stay connected and they getting plugged in. And you know what I mean? And that's just great. And it just lets me know that the work that like Rocio and I are doing is like it's it's somebody it's worth it. Somebody. 
Yeah. And then when I feel like sometimes I'll be like, yo, God, listen, you know, I, love I you. you know, I love you, but there's nobody here. I'm, I'm just like alone on an island. And five seconds later, somebody would DM me yeah. or I would get a call because someone that knew me through someone else or somebody else that knows me personally calls me and they say, or they DM me or they send me on Facebook. I love the fact that you're doing this because I'm going through it too. I'm going yeah. through this. I went through this. I did this. I did that. And they feel like, oh my God, it's like talking to you on speaker. It's just great because it helps me. It educates me. And, you know, I'm definitely trying to, you know, do mm -hmm. like be there for them. Because the thing is that there's not a lot of words in Spanish to pick up a person going through infertility. Come on. Like mm. that, that's not fair. And that's definitely not right. And that's why when you come on my Instagram page, I'll translate things. Or yeah. if I go to other people's yeah. pages and I see words that you guys put up, I'll tag you at the bottom and translate it because, you know, sometimes just because, just because I speak English doesn't mean I don't dream in Spanish. And I got that from the Latina Bible. I don't want you to think that that's like original for me. Okay. Just okay. Me, just in case, you know, just in yeah, case. That was beautiful. That yeah. Was beautiful. So the thing is that um, it's just one of those things where you're in a situation where you, you as a podcaster and as an advocate and as an, not, I don't say like you're influencing people to do it, but you are. Uh, I'm just here. You know, just, I, I just be like, yo, we here, y'all. Like you were just saying that somebody can feel at home too. But yeah. Gabrielle Union. Jennifer Lopez, she's not a huge advocate on infertility. So now my question is, who else do we have? Yeah, they're in there. I don't. Caucasian, yeah. absolutely. You have the yeah. Kim Kardashian and then, that put um, it out there, which again, props to them because that's something personal to to put out there to put your eggs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because also, mm -hmm. we cannot diminish somebody else's journey just because you don't look like me. That's not what we're not at all. We're not at all. It's all about representation. Absolutely. So the yeah. thing is that for her to even put it out there and have women have the option of, Hey, maybe I can lock in my eggs. Yeah. That's great because now you know that as a woman, you have options, but still that option comes from a woman that doesn't look like me, that doesn't have resources like me. So, well, that's not in my position where I have to choose between buying a house or buying a new car or getting this fertility treatment or paying the freaking rent. That happened in one of our um, in one of our sessions where I was bawling. I was full of eggs. They had to do the the, the egg retrieval, and um, I was freaking out because nobody told me that I had to pay the anesthesiologist up front. Oh, they forgot. Nobody told me, and I was there like three times in a row. So they was just like, "Um, you have to pay the anesthesiologist fee," and I'm like, "We didn't budget this in. You didn't tell us about this." And wow. I like after all of that happened, and I fought with billing. My husband was just, he kept telling me, do you trust me? And I was like, we don't have the money. My eggs. Yeah. And he was like, do you trust me? And I was like, yes. He was just like, we're going to use the rent money. And mm -hmm. he said that it was like, my heart sank to my butt. I was just like, he was like, I'm going to make sure that we're okay for rent. Don't worry about it. We had to take rent money to pay for that. I was bawling. You know what it is when they have a, 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 a long tube inside of you and you're bawling. I'm talking about... <laughs> And the wand going in and out because I'm here bawling because I did not prepare for this. It's a lot of financial um, burden that falls on couples when you do this because this is such a trying thing. And the thing is that you can't really prepare for it because you don't know how much it's going to be because it depends on the medication that you need and it depends and on the procedure that's going to work. Yeah, so it's all it's all like this revolving door of like, let's see what, what is. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then after you're through the door, then you have to hit a maze. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it's really hard. So when you see stars and do that, it, it becomes a bit overwhelming, but at the same time, you're educating yourself. But at the same time, these women do not look like us mm -hmm. because Gabrielle's union's story was amazing. But then that story doesn't correlate to mine because I didn't go through that. It's great yeah. because now we know that that story is out there and there are options. Right. People right. like you and me, like, do you know anybody else that went through infertility? No, we just kind of guesstimating. We're kind of like, well, you know, judging by our journey and what we know. I kind of feel like this artist did it because this artist after 30 ended up with a boy and a girl twins all of a sudden. Hmm. Right. Or like when Janet Jackson had her embryos transferred at 50. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is that it's kind of like, just because you hear it, it's not confirmed unless the artist says, yes, I'm an advocate for it because it happened to me. Mm -hmm. You're just speculating because mm -hmm. if you're in doing fertility, infertility, you kind of know like, oh, this is what, mm. 
nothing is suspicious. You know what I mean? I get it. A needle in the haystack. Let me tell you, if I get any famous person not charging me, helping me out, girl, I'll buy you a bagel because that's 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 where my funds extend to. I'll have my mother cook for you because she could she could bomb. But let me tell you, it's it's something that needs to happen because the conversation is not out there. And mm-hmm. it sucks because sometimes like everybody's like, oh, Rocio, you're like a pioneer. And it's kind of like, it's not that I don't want to be a pioneer, but sometimes you, when you talk about your journey, you're reliving your journey. And sometimes mm-hmm. you want the path mm-hmm. already laid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even doing the podcast sometimes feels like I'm doing infertility all over again. Yeah. Alone. And it's like, I don't feel alone because I have people like you that reach out to me and give me an opportunity to be on your platform, which I thank. And I'm so humbled by it because you, you know, you could have said no, <laughs> or no you could have ignored me. <laughs> no. Well, Theo is going to tell us uh, the ways in which you can connect with her and slide in her DMs. Yes, girl. So again, my podcast is called Tootsie Rollades, your life sweet relief. You're more than welcome to follow me on my Instagram page at Tootsie Rollades. You can follow me on Facebook at Tootsie Rollades. You got a Twitter at Tootsie Rollades. You want to get in contact with me? Email me Tootsie Rollades at gmail.com. Also, I have a little um, project that I have active right now. It's called the Rose Project. The purpose of the project is if you're going through infertility, you need to think about you. And it's not selfish and it's righteous for you to take time out for self-care. And if right now financially you can't do it, come to the Rose Project. So basically what it is, is that every three months I'm going to do a giveaway. And it's just a small self-care package just for you to get back to you. Sometimes it can be candles. Maybe it can be a bath bomb, a basket of just something for you. Okay, the sweepstakes right now, well, I call it the sweepstakes, but it's the giveaway. Um, It's going on until September 28th. And then I'm going to have a live drawing on October 1st. And the great thing about it is that if you're going through infertility, definitely come out. Come on. Now, if you hear this and it's past September, don't worry about it. It's happening every three months. I will be back in December to um, again, do again the Rose Project to do a giveaway. And if you are a friend of somebody going through infertility, participate in the giveaway because right. I'll send the care package in your name. Wonderful. So I will definitely help them out. The whole point is, you know, try to let's pick up somebody that's in a bad mood. Yeah. Now, if they're not going through infertility and you just feel like they need a little support, a little rough time, and they need a little gift, then please be more than welcome to come along this way and, you know, enter and hopefully you win. And then on your name, on your behalf, I will be sending them um, a nice little self-care package. You guys heard it here first. Infertility in the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Peace and blessings. Bye.